Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I am here with Dana Lord Lewis, founder of Energy Think, where she teaches applied energetics. Dana, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your work with Energy Think, but before we get there, Tell us a little bit about how you got there. I, I know you used to be a lawyer. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, especially how it relates to authenticity, because a lot of people, they talk about authenticity, but you actually live it. So tell us a little bit about that, please. Yeah, for sure. I was a lawyer. I am still a lawyer, technically. <laughs> I hear <laughs> but that. I am not practicing. I'm more interested in universal law than I am in corporate law, which is what I was doing before. And uh, I have a, a classic story. You know, this is kind of one of those stories that everyone draws on where somebody is doing something that they obviously there's, they see value in doing, but that is not in true alignment with who they are meant to become. And so I started off my career in law and the reasons why I did that were very logical, right? They, they were very rational. They were about getting a good foundation, getting credibility so I can branch off into other things. Um, it made a lot of sense why I did that and how it relates to authenticity. I mean, it's hard to answer it. So I don't want to say that that wasn't authentic and what I'm doing now is entirely authentic because there was a fair amount of authenticity in, I think there's a fair amount of authenticity in everyone's step steps along the way of their lives. Right. Um, that was something I needed to experience in order to know it's not something I wanted to do. But it was not the the it wasn't a more evolved version of my blueprint, and what I'm doing now, which is very different, but it does use a lot of the skills that I learned in law school, is far more aligned with what makes my soul feel fully expressed. Yeah, I really like what you say about how you know needing to take that step to experiencing what you experienced. Yet now you're doing is more aligned with what is your real soul reaching out to you? I mean, how did that process go? I mean, how did you decide to go from, okay, today I'm a lawyer and now I want to get involved with um, applied energetics? Well, you know how people kind of have the things that they do, even when they're not being paid to do them. You know how like people, people have things in their life that they just naturally gravitate towards doing. It could be playing golf. It could be like wood, wood whittling. It could be anything. And the thing that I always did as a child and as an adolescent and as a young adult was let, listen to people, listen to people. I really like listening to people. It's actually part of my brain mechanism there. I don't know how much you know about neuroscience and the, the brain types, but I'm an ENFP. If you do the Myers-Briggs, yeah. you done your Myers-Briggs? Yeah. I probably an INFJ. Sometimes I'm an ENFJ, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So I'm an ENFP and underneath these four letter 
and like the little titles are two cognitive processes that are your dominant cognitive processes. And one of mine is I get into a state of flow when I listen to people. And I think that combined with my nature just made it so that I was always hearing people's issues and offering advice. I actually nicknamed myself when I lived in New York, I, I nicknamed myself um, a pro bono emotional call girl because I had <laughs> so many friends who were, you know, working so hard in Manhattan and struggling with to come along with that environment. And I'd be out for dinner with them every night and I'd be helping them. <laughs> they were, that was my kind of, that was my passion. And so this, I always knew that I was going to do something that involved that, but I didn't know what. And then this, I, I, tra I transitioned out of law um, for very deliberate reasons. It was a, not a lifestyle that I could sustain. And um, I looked for something that was more fulfilling. And that's what this is. This is a very interesting um, reflection of that skill set inside me. I didn't know that this was going to be where I ended up, but it feels very right. That's great. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can definitely tell for you, authenticity is really about, you know, connecting with your core personality traits, you know, your core interests, how you can provide value to other people, what you enjoy. I mean, for you, what else does authenticity mean to you and how else does it show up in your life? I love that we're talking about this because I don't use the same word exactly. I don't use the word authenticity as much, but it means the same thing as a word that I use, which is alignment. And I use the term, um, <clears throat> I actually use the term source flow through. Wow. And so, yeah, it's so source flow through is a concept, which I'm happy to explain, but it, yes. it's all about the result of being authentic it is about the result of being in alignment with your deeper self. So if we can understand that there are multi-dimensions of our reality, if we can appreciate that there is more than meets the eye on many layers and that there are forces at play that are outside of the physical, that are causational in nature, we can appreciate that there is a place from where we come. There is a source from where everything comes. The sun, it's essentially represented by our consciousness. It's the place from where our consciousness emanates. It's not physical. And so because that is such a foundational part of our experience of being aware, we can appreciate that there is a deeper part of ourselves that is more foundational, more <clears throat> lives in a different place than our mind. So many people don't realize how much they identify with their mind. They think they are their mind. And that causes so many problems for many, many reasons. But we actually have layers to ourselves that are deeper than our mind or higher than our mind, depending on how you want to look at it, but that exist in the higher causational realms than our mind. And so in that space, in that aspect of yourself is a blueprint for what you could 
how you could fulfill the evolution of, of creative energy. So it's kind of like if you have like a, you know, a, a good example is a type of plant. Like if you have a rose bush, you know, that rose bush has its DNA and its seed, right? And it could be this amazingly beautiful, big, green and colorful, lovely plant if the conditions are there. And if the conditions aren't there, it could never sprout or it could grow a little bit and become a little like rotten or it can become, you know, brown or whatever. And so that blueprint for its fulfillment is there. And that is within all of us at soul level um, in this deeper realm of oneself. And if you can calibrate the way you are living so that you are being you, you are experiencing being you free from inhibitions and free from the limitations of fear or any kind of derivative of it, then that is you being able to take from this other realm, this source of energy, the source of truth, because it comes from someplace that's not made by man. It's it is really coming from what is real, most real. And you can bring that into the manifest and create from that place. Then that to me is authenticity. And that to me is the source of happiness. And that to me is the source of confidence and power, manifestation power. So authenticity is a big deal. You definitely want to be manifesting from an aligned place rather than from fear, otherwise known as the ego, which is the mind. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is connecting with the source of your being or your, your most true or highest self. Um, you know, how do we get to that point when we are stuck in our mind or, you know, we are stuck doing something we don't want to do, or just we're stressed with like family or work. I mean, how do, what, how can we connect with that source flow that you refer to when we're feeling stressed or overwhelmed? That's a great question. Um, there's two elements, <laughs> two work streams. <laughs> <laughs> and you love how my, my law brain works. Yes. No, yes. There are two components to it though, because the thing is, is that because that's our deeper self and that's our source and that's the essence of what we are, <laughs> that's our natural state. And so it's not like we have to connect. We have to like work so hard to connect, connect to it. That, that thinking way of thinking is a very, uh, earthly man created way of understanding happiness. You know, we put conditions on our own happiness and our own willingness to allow ourselves to be in full acceptance of ourselves. Right. So our natural way of being, if we were free of all inhibitions, would be a state of euphoria, joy, excitement, inspiration, confidence, because <clears throat> that's what we would be connected very you know, intimately to. Our mind has the power, has the capacity not to disconnect us from it entirely. You can't be because it's the essence of your life force. So if you're alive, you are connected to it, but it can very much make it feel like you're not. And it can distract us so much that we lose that sense of connection. 
And then we're like, oh, I have a deep insecurity because I feel separate. I feel alone. I feel like I'm this entity in this world and I'm a hapless bystander of it. And I have to fend against it and I have to protect myself. And then I start acting from places of protection, which is from the ego, which is from the mind. So two work streams, first being learning how to connect to that ultimate power. And if you'll let me, I'll give you a little, a little tip for that. That's it. It's not the be all end all, but it's a little tip just for starting to improve your capacity for that. Sure. Yes. And then I'll do that after. And then the second one is the release of your fears. And that is a, I shouldn't say release of fears. It is a disintegration of your fears. So it is changing your relationship to fear and changing your relationship to things in life that you think represent fear. It's essentially working on what you have to do to be able to not let fear operate. It can exist, it can be experienced, but it shouldn't be operational. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and again, it sounds like for you, a lot of this is connecting to your natural state of being like who you are being rather than like what you're thinking or what you're doing. Am I, am I hearing that right? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, Eckhart Tolle talks about it really beautifully. He makes a distinction between being and doing. Yes. Um, the doing being like the very masculine and very, uh, you know, goal driven way of being. And then being is just being. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and some exactly. people make a distinction between being and having as well. That's a huge one. That's an existential mode confusion. That's what it's called. And it's like, if you think you can have this, that, and the other, then you'll be this. Whereas what it's all about is actually self-development. It's your vertical relationship rather than your horizontal relationships, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. Um, I didn't, I just want to, I thought I heard you say, do you have, you said you have a tip for how we can connect yeah, to that? Would- I have a tip. Okay. Are we ready for it? Let me give you the tip. It's, yeah. it's really great. It'll take two seconds. Okay. It's a really easy thing. And for anybody listening, I highly recommend making this a huge, like a practice. Cause it's, it's really amazing. It's not meditational and you don't have to do it in, you know, meditation sort of state. You don't have to be by yourself. It's actually meant to be done anywhere. But if you can take a minute, one minute, and you can close your eyes and you can connect to what it feels like to you to be alive, like just tune into wherever your consciousness rests. For some reason, mine go to my arms often, but they can go anywhere in your body. But if you can just tune into that activity that you can sense and the warmth and the kind of like fuzzy feeling, if you if you think about connecting to the, the core of each of your cells, because at the core of of each of them is, is energy. And that is your life force powering it. There is a force powering your life. And if you can tune into that and remind yourself of the fact that don't take it for granted as some kind of scientific truth, 
that was that was made by science or made by a textbook or something that you are alive. Science just explains the phenomena that exists. This, your life came from somewhere else, something else, something that's much larger than our comprehension. If you can connect to that and then come back to whatever it is you're doing with a little bit of perspective, it will serve you. If you continue to do that, if you just tune in, oh yeah, right, life force, right, source, right, okay. Let's, let's, let's look, let's listen here for what feels right. And what feels off, let's pay attention. Then you will have an infinitely greater uh, feeling of confidence. Cause you know that you're working from something real rather than from a, an external reference of what's supposed to be good and right that the world's telling you. Yeah. I really like how you say that. And you talk about how, you know, that, that sense of aliveness, you know, that's something that scientists can't necessarily explain. Like that moment that the baby's heart starts beating, science can't say why it starts beating at that moment, yet there's something that brings that into existence. And that, that, that feeling of being alive, it's like, that's what brings us joy and, and happiness and, and source flow or authenticity. Yeah, that's why it's called the hard problem of consciousness. Yeah. Nobody can, nobody is putting forth that consciousness is physical. It, de- it interacts with physicality. It depends on physicality. They've been able to you know, trace certain parts of the brain that are um, mandatory to be functional for a person to be conscious. And that's as far as it goes. It doesn't arise <laughs> from physicality. Yeah. Well, you know, Dana, I, I can relate a lot to what you're saying. Um, Cause especially when you talk about being in alignment and out of alignment and authenticity, um, you know, I, I think I'd shared with you before our call, I, you know, I, I used to be a lawyer um, and, and I also felt like I was out of alignment. Um, and so for me, like actually my first step in, in, in recognizing authenticity was for me to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not happy as a lawyer. Um, and that was actually really hard for me to do. Cause it's like, you know, people tell you, it's like, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you go to law school and you become a lawyer, you know, you should be happy. You're a lawyer. Why aren't you happy? Um, but for, for me, I, I, I wasn't. Um, and I had also done a lot of like, even like personal development, self-help work on like the power of positive thinking. So, I mean, I really would like try to talk myself into being happy. Like, Oh, like, you know, I, I feel good. I like my job and all of that. Um, but I, I really wasn't. And then that, that when I first started to realize, you know, I'm, I'm not happy that kind of freed me up then to ask myself, like, you know, what can make me happy? You know, what truly does, like you said, make me feel alive. Who do I want to be at my core? What gives me this sense of like source flow energy that you're talking about? So yeah, that is definitely, definitely something that I can relate to as well. Yeah. And then you found this kind of work, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, this is, uh, I mean, this is a bit of a, a certain, not necessarily a straight line. I kind of zigzag back and forth. Um, so, I mean, there was definitely a time when um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And so this, this reminded me of what you were talking about, focusing on, what, on, on who you are being. So I, start, I started telling myself like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to generate an income. Um, I mean, at the time I was in between jobs as a lawyer. So that had its own financial and psychological challenges, but it actually gave me like space in my life for the first time to ask myself, 
okay, I don't know what I want to do, but I can actually focus now on who do I want to be? So I got very, very clear on, on saying, okay, I want to be inspiring. I want to be authentic. And then I looked for meaningful ways to be inspiring and be authentic. And then I even asked like another question um, for me was, um, how can I contribute tremendous value to other people? And I just looked for ways to be authentic, be inspiring, contribute value to other people. And, and, and without me trying, that created a lot of different opportunities for me. I, I, I started realizing um, that one of the outlets for that was this blog and interviewing people. I mean, I've been interviewing people on this blog now for the past 11 years. I mean, I could tell you more about that um, if you want to hear that. But as far as just more my, my professional journey, I started to, to also think about, you know, what are some other ways that I can inspire other people to be their authentic selves? And I actually started doing some um, pro bono speaking. I mean, I went to go speak at the San Diego Convention Center, colleges, high schools, nonprofits. I'd like get on the phone and call up high school teachers and be like, hey, you know, I'll come give a talk to your class and, and, and tell students how they can create a, a meaningful career path or how they can follow their passions. And I started doing that. And, and then without me even thinking about it at the time, afterwards, I started to offer just like free career coaching, life coaching. And that got me really interested in psychology and mental health. And um, it's like you said about being alive. Like when I would do that, I felt alive. When I would work as a lawyer, I just felt so drained. Like my energy was gone. And that actually eventually got me more interested in, in psychology and mental health. Um, I went back to school, um, ended up getting a PhD in psychology. And, and now i work as a psychologist, work as a coach, um, and then also do this blog. So I, I know that was a, it was a long answer, but that basically summarizes like 10 years of my life. <laughs> That's amazing. I love yeah. it. It's a great story. And you can really tell how passionate you are when you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that like, again, that reminded me, I hadn't thought about it, but when you talk about that sense of aliveness, I mean, to me, that's where authenticity and happiness comes from. Cause mm -hmm. I can, I mean, I can still remember, I, I was actually, I was working as a trial lawyer for department of child services, um, which is a very, very stressful job for me, but I would, and I would just walk into that, that, that work. And I, I had no sense of aliveness. I mean, it was just like deadening to my spirit. Um, but you know, now it's like when I do these interviews, it, it fills me with energy. And so it's mm -hmm. like that sense of like source flow aliveness is, is really something I think that, like you said, we, we, we need to, to reconnect with, to, to, to help us get on track. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's because <laughs> There, that I, I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's right, but that's the thing for everyone is that everyone is the arbiter of what is right for them. Right. Yeah. And people forget that and they're asleep to it. And people are willing to, if they're not in touch, if they're very, they're experiencing a lot of conditioning and they're not in touch with the ways that we are communicating to ourself, then it can be very easy to get, like you said, stuck in the mind and reason your way through decisions based on logic. 
But if you aren't experiencing that aliveness and you're experiencing anything that deadens your spirit, I mean, I get it. Then you are operating from some false belief system. There's some falsity somewhere in your logic that is perpetuating these decision-making. So you're, you're, you're making the decisions from your ego, which is protective. And so that's the barometer. The barometer is how it feels and it lands in the physical. That's the best thing. We can actually experience where our energetic system is in our physical. And then the, it's, what they say is that the, the root of the mind is in the heart and the heart chakra is where people understand the most energy to, to come in and be generated. And so what happens is energy gets redirected out of the body and out of the system and gets spent on thoughts and gets translated into creations, which is how it's supposed to work. It's how it's designed. But if we're so active up here and we don't recognize how to train ourselves to relax this and open up to this, then it's hard to open up to the, the greatest amount of capacity for energy that you can. And it's all connected, right? It's all, it's all saying the same thing. What you just said there is you trained yourself to connect to what felt right. Yeah. You tried to, tried to like change your mind, <laughs> but ultimately you trained your, you, you, what you really did was you went deeper than your mind. It really is deeper. And, and I mean, it was also to just sort of like this, this inner knowing or this like peace that passes understanding. It's so hard to describe, but it's just like, you know, I, I guess I'm also curious how, how can people trust that? It's like, you know, I mean, I know it works for me, but I'm curious what works for you. I mean, how do you trust that sense of aliveness um, like when things might not be going well in your life, it's like, I guess, you know, I mean, I have people who come to me and they're just like, I, I love dancing, but it's like, they're like, I'm not going to make any money dancing. And then they're like, but I love writing, but I, I, I can't make any money writing. I mean, I have my answers to that. I'm kind of curious what your answers are. I mean, how can we get, how, how can people trust that sense of aliveness? Like if they think it, if they are getting stuck in their mind or they're having people tell them you're, you're foolish for wanting to be a dancer or a writer or a cook or anything. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear your answer first. <laughs> well, I think it's, I think it's just, you know, Steve Jobs once said, he said, you got to trust in something, call it your gut, life, destiny, whatever. And he gave this example about how he dropped out of college to learn calligraphy class simply because calligraphy made him feel alive. He didn't have a reason for wanting to do it, but he said 10 years after he learned those calligraphy classes, it helped him to de de uh, design the fonts on the Microsoft um, computer. So it's like, I'm a firm believer in like, you know, we might not understand why or how something's happening, but it, eventually it's probably going to open up some doors in the future. And I mean, for me, it's like when I was like, when I was speaking at these high schools and colleges and nonprofits, I, I had no like 
ambition to turn that into like a professional career. It just brought me joy. And I had no idea if or how it was going to open up opportunities for me, but it eventually it led to coaching, which led me to get interested in psychology, which led me to go back to school. So I think it's ultimately trusting. It's like, okay, this might open up things in the future that I'm not aware of. Um, I mean, this, this blog came from me moving out to Los Angeles to work for an entertainment agency, the William Morris agency. And I got so fed up working there that I created a blog to let people know like, Hey, there's, there's inspirational spiritual people out there. So it's like, you know, we, we might not necessarily see exactly where the road's taking us, but if we can just take that first step, um, I, I think it's going to open up doors for us in the future, but you know, that's yeah. my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. That that's that, that yeah that makes a lot of sense and I I think what's what's really fascinating about it is that we can explain it however we are able to or however we want to we can we can hear an explanation around it and if it satisfies the thing in our mind that is resisting this truth great. <laughs> But ultimately, in my understanding, what we are really talking about is a, a, a deep fundamental truth. And that is what is the energy of the situation? What is, yeah. how, how, how are the energetics playing out? And when I say energetics, I mean, it's a subtler realm of reality. It is what underlies what we understand so you can understand that very well in physics, right? We can watch a plant grow and we can understand that there's photosynthesis taking place. There's energetic transfer. It's coming from the sun. There's a lot of stuff that goes on and it blossoms. That is a result of organized energetic activity and dynamics that take place at a microscopic level. The same thing happens in the non-physical realm, the conscious realm, your mental, spiritual, emotional experience energy underlies those experiences. In fact, emotions are the human way of processing energy. So when we're talking about making decisions and we're talking about trying to orient ourselves according to something that we can trust as a pillar, it really is about learning to understand what energy feels like. And so frequently the argument of finances is, is the one that plays the role in thwarting us from realizing a life that is so, so fulfilling. And there, you know, there are reasons that we can understand according to like logic People don't want to be impoverished. People don't want to, people want to have certain things. We have a very commercialized world, but people fail to realize that money is energy. Money is a manifestation of energy. It is a manifested thing. Money is a thing. You can literally pick up coins. You can pick up dollar bills. You can see your bank account. It is a form and energy and energetics always underlie form. So it would be very wise to always try to remember that when you 
truly, truly love something, if you're bringing, if that, if that get, if that allows you to release the conditioning so that you can connect to that source flow through, if it provides you that energy and you're doing that, then you can build on that. Energy is very quantifiable and it takes certain amounts of energy to make things happen. And so if you're able to access great amounts of energy that is self-generated just by doing your work, you're not having to take energy from other people, you are self-generating it and it is self-sustaining, then you are, you are in the money because you have this source and you can then apply it. And then it's about being able to apply it. But any, but I mean, my husband, who's a very, very successful entrepreneur, he has always said the exact opposite. He has always said, if you don't love what you do, you're not going to be successful. Hmm. And I think that has so much truth in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for you, it sounds like when you, when you, when you talk about energy, I mean, are you talking about something like quite literally, that's something that's like strengthening you. Like you can, like, you feel your body getting stronger, like physically and emotionally and spiritually. I mean, is it on all of those levels? Well, it gets a little technical. So to, to, to go into the, to go into the technicals takes a little bit of time <laughs> to keep it high level. I will say that we can understand energy. It's, it's, probably easier to understand the physical realm and the non-physical realm as, as two separate, almost types of energy. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not really two different types because energy is the bridge between the physical and the non-physical. If you actually look at quantum physics and you look at the most cutting edge findings and discoveries that these particle theorists are making it is so clear that energy is it's not it's not clearly physical it has properties and behaves in ways where it literally disappears into fields that we can't see or detect and then it reappears and it's it's really really mysterious so I understand it to be the bridge between the non-physical or the ethereal and the physical world. And that's why it can, it's universal. It can be understood the way it operates. The mechanics of it can be understood in the physical and the non-physical as well. We can talk about my system as an energetic system is in a state of deficiency. I have spent too much energy more so than I have intaken, but I am not speaking about calories. I'm not speaking yeah. about physical energy. However, however, the physical is the manifestation of the, the underlying energetics. And so they're connected, but it's, it's, there's a distinction. Yeah. I, I think I see what you're saying. It's, I mean, it reminds me a lot of the, the mind body connection. I mean, they've just, I mean, they've shown that like, you know, certain thoughts are associated with certain higher or lower levels of stress, which is associated with certain types of disease or health, um, or even just like maybe more on a basic level, you just, you walk into a room with somebody who like brings your energy up, you're going to feel better and feel more alive. Am I, is that what I'm hearing? Am I hearing that right? 
Well, there's, so there's the, when I talk about the horizontal plane, that's kind of like relating to other people. Right. And then when I talk about the vertical plane, that's your ability to access, um, energy from you, from the source and within yourself. Okay. And everybody is an energetic system. That's always cycling energy. So your mental activity is always spending energy when you're alive, when you're awake, rather you are always spending it on something. You're also intaking potential energy. (coughs) It depends on how you interpret the energy that you take in, whether or not you can actually use it and whether or not it actually benefits you, but it's a whole system. And the way that you process energy, it's according to various patterns that you've learned. So when, when you interact with other people, you are interacting with their energetic field and their energetic broadcast And depending on the configuration of their broadcast, you know, if somebody's in a really happy mood, they're broadcasting a certain essence. If someone's in a bad mood, that's going to be a different essence. And depending on your mental associations with that energy, you will experience either a an accretion, like an increase in the energy in your system, and you're going to feel great or you'll experience a decrease. There's a number of reasons behind that, but yeah, definitely when you have a lot of people together and you are all operating at a similar energy, people call it frequency. I I don't love using that term, but I'm going to, because everyone understands it. When people are operating at that same frequency, there's a lot of amplification so that's why there's such an energizing effect being around other people. That's really, really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious, how does, how does this relate to your work at Energy Think and Applied Energetics? Well, Applied Energetics is a school of thought that I have created. That's what Applied Energetics is. It's the question of how does energy apply to one's life? How is it relevant for me in the fact that I want to live a great life and create well? So it's all about understanding your own energy. It's all about understanding what's happening. It's being able to read the subtler realms of reality, being able to look at a situation from a completely different perspective and say, interesting how that person did that, why, why they did that before. Maybe I would have thought about it psychologically, you know, oh, he's obviously, you know, in pain of some kind. And what did that stem from? What happened in his life? You know, that, that sometimes is necessary if you have to, if you're really working around a block to go into that world, but to just understand yourself and to understand people and to be able to get a lot more control over your management of your system. If you can read energy, it's like a piece of cake. You know, you can just say, I'm feeling, you can, if you're feeling sad, for example, instead of saying, why am I feeling sad? Why am I feeling sad? And then you think up a story, something to do with something that's happened. You search for a thing that makes sense to you, why you'd be sad. And then you go down that rabbit hole and you spend a lot of mental energy trying to figure that out, ruminate, involve other people, amplify the whole thing, power it with your mental energy. Instead of doing that, you can say, wow, I'm feeling really sad. Being really sad is a number one product of having an energetic system that is in a state of deficiency. I have probably been outputting more than I've intaken. I need to take a minute and I need to check myself. Where are my leaks? What am I spending my energy on too much? And maybe I just need to take one minute and connect to that life force energy that we did earlier and remember, reconnect. 
reconnect to your sense right. of self. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and so do you, do you work like one-on-one with people or do you teach classes? I mean, what is the way that you help people facilitate this? I have done one-on-one coaching. I recently wrapped up my, I paused my practice to get ready for a program that I'm running actually starting August 24th. And, um, that will be a six week program where I'm walking people through some of these foundational concepts and how it relates to the disintegration of fear as well, taking it that one step deeper. So uh, I do enjoy running these programs for people. I think it's really beneficial. This will be my first one like this and we'll see how it goes. Um, and then in the future, I'm not exactly sure what configuration my business is going to take. I'm pregnant right now. So I'll be having a baby in October. So I'm taking a little bit of time off, but historically it has been coaching. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Um, that's very exciting. Um, and, um, when you say you're doing programs, are they like, are they online, um, webinars? Are they probably more online now? Or do you do them in person? They're live teachings at the moment. I do have one program that is uh, evergreen that I that I do sell. It's not currently available. It has been in the past and I'm considering putting it out there again for people who are interested because I have had a lot of inquiries about it. Um, but mostly we're doing these live programs right now. And so, I mean, how, you know, when people do these programs or just maybe just how you've applied it to your own life, like what effect has this had on your own levels of happiness? Oh, I mean, it's, it's my, it's my passion. It's all about learning more. There are many different ways that I take in information. I I listen to a lot of different sources and I really like to find the things that are pointing to the same message And then you find what I I consider to be the closest thing to truth. And the more we can advance our understanding of truth, then the more we're connected and the more we're connected, the more everything is better. So it makes me very happy to be doing this work. That's great. And that comes across too. I mean, I can just hear it in your voice. I mean, that, that aliveness, that sense of flow really does, does come through. Um, well, uh, and, and Dana, tell us too, I, I, I went to your website and it, it was really fascinating, um, but I, I don't want to do it injustice. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your website? I've never really, I mean, it just seemed really interesting. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. My website is just telling a little bit about what Energy Think is. It's explaining the core of the philosophies underlying applied energetics. In terms of offerings on my website, I have one free resource, which I love people to go take a look at, which is called the Thought to Reality Roadmap. And that is essentially the mechanics of manifestation from an energetic perspective. So talking about all the different um, aspects of uh of manifesting um, as we understand it in terms of energy. And people will look at that and they can ask me questions. I'm very available. I try to make myself available uh, to answer those questions. So we're in the process of getting it animated. It doesn't currently have all the annotations with it. Did I lose you there for a minute? No, I got you. Can you okay. hear me? 
but but I think that's a really great resource to take a look at and understand that there are a lot of different aspects, a lot of different ways that you can work on your energy to apply that understanding to make making something happen in your life. But I really want to stress that that is something that should be implemented when there's a real understanding of the importance of alignment. You want to be manifesting from that true place rather than from an egoic place. But you know what? Even if you do manifest from an egoic place, <laughs> that's okay because it's going to be an it's going to be a lesson. And I, I mean, I am continuously, continuously learning lessons. And it's so interesting because I'll come to an understanding and I'll develop a, um, a little, you know, a little technique around it for my students, you know, do this. And this is what you're meant to learn from it. And this is how, and then I'll try to apply that to a problem I have months later. And for some reason it won't work. And I'll say, well, what do we have this work for me so well? you know, 10 times, why is this not working now? And it's because it's always this evolution. It's a, it's a more complicated problem. It's dealing with a different aspect of my own self-resistance and I have to understand it better. And that's the beauty of life, right? We're just constantly evolving if we are committed to it. So commitment to evolution is really key for wisdom and wisdom is really key for, you know, for, for figuring out what's real versus what's not. That's, that's so true. I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, it's like, this may be my lawyer mindset too, but it's like, every time I think I've got everything planned and I can do like a roadmap or a blueprint, it's like something completely different comes along the way. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just uh, kind of sit back and see what uh, life has in store for me now. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> um. Well, um, Dana, this was, this was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we still do have a, have a little bit of time left. Was, was there any, was there anything else that you were hoping that we could touch upon or talk about or get to? I just want, uh, I mean, I just want people to understand that they are completely able to create what they want in their lives. And I will distinguish a a specific manifestation from what I actually believe manifestation to be, which is the transformation in a person's mental, emotional state. When people want to manifest something, they want to manifest a house. They want to manifest a car. They want to manifest a family. It's because they want to experience that greater access to energy that they associate with that status, with that thing. They've created an idea, a storyline in their minds based on what they've been taught. And there is a conditionality on them fully approving of themselves in order to around that thing that they are thinking is going to be the solution. Right. And so if you can realize that manifesting is not actually about just the experience of having that thing, but it's about the state, the the state of your consciousness, the shift that you anticipate allowing yourself to have when you accomplish that thing, then you can recognize that 
everything actually takes place within your consciousness. I said earlier, people are the arbiter. People are the arbiter of how they feel. They can work at becoming more um, radically approving of themselves. I call it uh, radical self-ownership. I can't remember if I, I mentioned it, but it is taking ownership over all aspects of yourself. And that is the key, in my opinion, to, um, to happiness and fulfillment. You don't really need anything to give yourself that. You can be like that right now and your whole energetic system would shift. But it's challenging because these things are really ingrained in our minds, right? But it can happen like that. And when it happens like that, then you would be manifesting from that new place, that new elevated place, that new magnetic place. And what you would be seeing around you would be in line with that. I'm sure you understand the concept of resonance. People talk about law of attraction a lot. You see people around you who are magnetizing fantastic things. There's a reason. And it's not because they went down that mental road of, I love dance, but I have to make money. So I'm going to do this. That's not the situation that magnetizes with ease, wonderful success. That's yeah. for yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is connecting with that feeling or that emotion state that we want, that we think that that thing will get us. Is, am I hearing that right? Um, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I had, you know, one, one, um, one, one of my uh, coaches, um, she said, you know, when you have, when you go after your dreams, don't just visualize it, but feel how good it's going to feel after you accomplish it. And, and I know she's not the first person to say that, but it, I mean, it really did resonate with me. It's like, man, and how is this going to feel when I achieve my dreams? Is it going to feel awesome? Is it going to feel great? And, and that feeling state really does, like you said, it starts to magnetize and, and bring, bring those other experiences to you. Yeah. And I, I think that my earliest work in energetics had a lot to do with that. It had a lot to do with visualization. It had a lot to do with uh, creating the channels for um, the, the energy transfer to be made from you to that idea, right? I think that there are deeper layers where that work is so supportive of it, but there are deeper layers where people need to get they need to get over something even more profound. I feel as though the visualization expands you and it, it expands you and allows you to understand that things are possible for you. And so it, it, it gives you, it gives you a sense of confidence. It gives you a sense of possibility and that is very energizing. However, there are things there are resistances within us that exist at very, very deep levels. In some cases, they were created as an energetic patterning even before you were born. If you were in your mother's womb and every time this certain thing happened and your mother had a visceral reaction to it, an energetic experience, then you get imprinted upon that, right? And that's it's very pre-memory. That's very... It's very challenging when it's that deep. And a lot of people deal with guilt 
as being one of these big, big things. Like it's so embedded in our culture. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing to me sounds very similar to the work that I do um, as a as a psychologist and a psychotherapist. I mean, I work with a lot of people who have um, had trauma or PTSD, and so like those those memories they get stuck in them, and that might come out in in guilt, anger, fear. And and you're right. I mean, I think this is what it actually initially really drew me to psychotherapy is because. Um, it, it helps people to better understand some of these blocks that they might be carrying with them um, that they might not be aware of. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I totally, totally get what you're coming from. And that's, that's definitely, I think, an important part. I'm glad, glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's the, de- it's the deeper work. It's the deepest work. And ultimately what I think has to happen, which I think is, is so magical when it does, if people can identify what it is they're grappling with, which is the first step, and then do some work around that to get really comfortable with the fact that they're holding these fears because people are very ashamed of their fears, but people can get really comfortable with their fears and actually appreciate them and recognize that the key to their happiness is self-acceptance, everything. But, but what's really interesting is the key to self-acceptance is actually accepting everything. It's actually being really, dis- it's being so disciplined about not making judgments against anyone because everyone who is external to me, everyone who's external to you, everyone who's external to me is a, is a figment of my consciousness. That's an aspect of my consciousness because my interpretation of them all happens within me. Even though I know you're not me, if I were to think about you, I'm processing you within me right now. If I were to think about you after, and I were to hold something against you in a way, I'm actually battling an aspect of myself. And if I'm doing that, then, then I have, I have turmoil. I have conflict. But if I choose to say, you know what, he's amazing, that allows me to know I'm amazing, whatever I'm, you know what I mean? So if you can appreciate the importance of that, then you can go really deep with that and do some work around it. Yeah, that reminds me of a concept just called non-judgmental self-acceptance or mindfulness, just, you know, being aware of like, okay, what are the thoughts that are going through my mind? What are the emotions going through my mind? All right. I'm just going to be aware of this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to judge myself for this. I'm not going to judge this person for this, but then how can I manage this thought or this emotion in, in a very healthy way? Um, again, and another reason why I'm really interested in psychotherapy too, is and another point you made, which I think is so important is a lot of times people will try to shame, deny, or repress fear, anger, guilt, sadness. Whereas I think what I'm hearing you say is to, you know, bring that to the surface, accept it, understand it, and then manage it in a healthy way. So then you can move forward with your life. Yeah. And if you understand these things in terms of energy, it can be easier. Yeah. You understand that the way we are wired is that we always, everything we do is to gain energy. Everything we do, even if the strategy is so bad and it's causing me so much depletion, 
at my, what I'm, I'm basing it on a, like an energetic logic almost that I, on some level, I understand that I, this is the best way for me to try to get energy. And so whenever we experience things in our life that we don't like, and that we would love to see changed, there is an element in that if we can take responsibility for it, there is an element in the way we are relating to that situation that is actually giving us energy. So if I'm, if I get in fights with my husband a lot about something, if I want him to do something and he's not doing it, and then we get into fights and I act a certain way in the fight. And I tell myself, I just wish it could be different. Instead of wishing his behavior different, which is a huge mistake, if I look at it really clearly and I say, okay, what is it about this that I am gaining? Why is this happening? One of the one of the most wise things one of my mentors said was seeing this is evidence of wanting it. Hmm. And our conscious thoughts, our understandings that are are in our awakened awareness. They're not always the same as what's in our subconscious, as you know, in psychology, that's, that's a huge, you know, tenet of psychology, but what people don't realize is that 95% of our brain activity is attributed to our subconscious based on neuroscience, 95% of our manifestation power, because mental energy is creative. We are meant to create, we are aspects of creation all aspects of creation are meant to create. And if our subconscious is asking for A, B, and C, then you got to get, you got to get under, you got to see that you got to say, okay, I have to take ownership over what's going on in all ways, because when I can take ownership over it, I can, I can laugh at myself. I can say, ha ha ha. I really actually like it when I get into fights with my husband, because then I feel powerful because he apologizes. this isn't actually my life, but if it was, it would make sense. You know, you have to, and, and not, and to, to start to learn there and there are exercises around it, how to embrace those parts of you that you would think you should keep hidden because you don't want to be judged. But if you don't judge them, it's a different story. Yeah, that's very well said. Again, it kind of reminds me of just, you know, taking a look at, you know, what are some of the patterns that are showing up in our life? Um, You know, are we experiencing some of the same sort of conflicts or challenges? And if we are, what is our, what is our contribution to that? Not necessarily saying it's your fault, but you know, what is, what is your contribution and how can you change that? Yeah. And that's another aspect of the work because Whenever I tell people that the key to empowerment is radical self-ownership, I get pushback. I can feel pushback when I say it. I can feel it energetically. People are like, and why? If I'm literally handing you, if you have any interest in what I'm saying, and I'm handing you on a silver platter, the key to empowerment, and I say, it's radical self-ownership. Let me tell you a little bit about that. Why are people resisting it automatically? And the reason is, is because the idea of responsibility has the connotation of of guilt. If there's something going on in your life that you don't like, to take responsibility for it is associated with it being a matter of fault. And if it's a matter of fault, then you're somehow a less valuable or less successful person. And in ironically, your own eyes. 
Right. But people look at it like it matters that other people look at them that way, but it's just them understanding how people are looking. It's, it's all within you. I call it the benevolent narcissist. You want to become <laughs> a benevolent narcissist. You do. You want to understand that everything is taking place in you and take ownership over that. And the more you can, you're invincible. Yeah. And again, a lot of times I'll try to tell people, it's like, you know, be tough-minded and tender-hearted. It's like, you know, don't beat yourself up for this, you know, have some compassion on yourself, um, but also recognize, you know, what are some things I can do to change and, and improvements that I can make. Um, but, but, but also just separating that idea of guilt, because if we can understand ourselves as guiltless, if we can just eliminate yeah. guilt, guilt is not real. People conflate it. They, 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 it, it's all twisted up in this idea of morality. It's completely embedded in our culture because of Judeo-Christian understandings and structurings around the time of, you know, the old Testament, which is laid a foundation <laughs> for us. But it wasn't always like this. We didn't always understand crime and punishment. It wasn't always, it was a different set of understandings. The gods didn't even have morality before Socrates. Nobody thought that the gods were even be truthful until Socrates decided, okay, no, the gods have to be truthful, therefore. So we have to understand that guilt is a, is a trick and it's a weapon of fear and is a destructive force. And if we can take away the guilt from understanding self-ownership, pathway to empowerment. I really like that. Yeah. And again, that goes back, I think, to what we talked about at the beginning about our natural state really is joy and well-being and happiness. Um, so, you know, when you're experiencing that guilt, it's um, like you said, that's not consistent or in alignment with who we truly really are. No, that's certainly a major limitation. That is a, a lower level consciousness that is limiting our experience of higher order consciousness that we naturally would be able to access in full, yeah. if not for these competing forces. Yeah. Well, Dana, this has been a fascinating conversation. I think I could probably talk for hours on all of these different topics. Um, is there any, any final words or anything else you want to say before we sign off? Come check me out on Instagram, energy underscore think is our handle. We would love to have you part of our community. Pay attention to what's going on. Ask questions. We're always trying to um, grow our community and develop our thinking. Um, and also your website. What? What? I'll, I'll write that. But what is your website? It's energythink.com. All right, great. Well, then, Dana, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Me as well. Thank you so much, Matt. All right.